Thanks for taking the time to no, do no this problem. thing, man. Sound- you know, I, 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 I met Keith, for the listener, I met Keith through uh, the GGTMC, the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. And uh, you're always posting on there, especially uh, what you're watching currently. But you you have a, a proclivity. You have an interest in, in uh, Asian cinema, right? Oh, yeah, big time. It's a big passion of yours. Oh, yeah. Um. Kind of paint a picture. Did you grow up in California? Yeah. Is it uh, the the prevalence of Asian cinema or how easy it is to get out there that kind of got you passionate about it or what got you really into it? Not not really. In fact, I, I live in a small town. It's kind of a, a little bit of a backwards hick town in a way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, you know, I'm the only one that I know that's really into Asian film out here. I mean, I have a couple friends that, you know, they're casual watchers. They'll watch stuff like that. Right. But what really actually got me into it was we used to have this old mom and pop uh, video store in the town. And it was ran by an old guy and uh, his daughter. And he, he was always like, you know, I would, once I got, it was like 16, I got my learner's permit. I was going to rent and stuff like crazy, you know. Right. And he would always like pick out like, you know, old thrillers like, you know, he'd, like French Connection or uh-huh. or like old westerns like you know Magnificent Seven or just what random stuff like that you know always pick stuff like that for me yeah. but his daughter would like always weigh into Asian cinema and so she'd always like you know hey check send this home you know or I'd rent a couple movies and she'd be like hey take this too just you know bring right. it back tomorrow you know and so I, at some point now I can't remember what film it was first that I saw but there's two big ones that I uh came across in the video store that they picked out for me and that was Kurosawa's Ran mm-hmm. 
and uh, the other one was uh, John Woo's The Killer. Nice. So those two were the like basically the jump off for me. You they're know, great, like, gate, great, they're great gateways. You have like an yeah. epic, and you have something that's widely considered one of the best action movies ever. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And I'm you know I'm kind of surprised that as, as far as Rand, you know I watched it again this year or was it late last late last year and I'm kind of surprised that a 16 year old me was able to get through it at the time I mean it, right. it's very you know slow paced film it is it's uh, it's also it's got multiple levels of, of themes and everything do you think that you picked up one on uh, on the Shakespearean nature of it then or were you watching it for like what what appealed to you about it then as a, as a as a 16 year old um well I'd, I'd really dig that first opening, the the, the big opening mm-hmm. scene with the you know, three arrows and stuff like that. And I don't think I really registered that it was Shakespeare at right. the time. You know, I just kind of saw it as just a standalone film. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, the She Devil stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. I won't. I don't want to blow it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But yeah, dude. I mean, that was pretty much what nailed it for me. And, and obviously, the the scene where. Uh, where oh, what's his name? Tets, uh, Tetsu and uh, Nakadai. Where Nakadai's in the yeah. When Nakadai's in the uh, the fortress oh, and yeah. his son Amazing. comes in, yeah. And he just you know it blew me away. And actually, that was like a great epiphany for me uh, a little bit earlier this year when I realized that that was Nakadai because like you know I'd seen that movie a bunch of times and you know he doesn't even look like Nakadai really. I mean mm-hmm. he, he's got the full makeup on. He's yeah. an older guy. He's got the beard. You know, exactly. And it. I made that connection. I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, and then it's like when I knew I had to watch it again. I'm like, "Okay, now that I know that's not good, I have to watch it again." Yeah. When you when you talk about we were talking on uh, Kurosawa's birthday for the listener mm-hmm. also, uh, he's he, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers of all time. A lot of people's favorite filmmakers of all time, especially when it comes to uh, Asia and Japan. Um, but you know, I think everyone who talks about Kurosawa, they always talk about Mifune. You know, Mifune is like the one that they always bring up. Maybe uh, Shimura. Um, Nakadai is is so fucking good in yeah, almost everything. every movie I've seen. Every <laughs> yeah. yeah, not just Kurosawa, anything. He's just got he's got that face. That face just has that emotion that comes across. He he has range too. He's such a, yeah. a quiet. He's he can be quiet and really rageful. It's really good stuff. Oh, he can also play like really sly and uh, snake like people like uh, Sword of Doom and everything like that. Yeah, and he even did comedy and kill. Yeah, she did pulled off fairly well too. Yeah, uh, yeah, great actor. I, I mean, I think honestly, I think that he is one of the greatest actors of all time. Definitely. Um, I love Maf- I love Mifune. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I would put him above Mifune. But I will say though, no one played that just you know r- rowdy, rollicking samurai better than Mifune. You know, mm-hmm. he was just perfect for that role. You know, born Definitely. for that role. So, being that you know you took that uh, that trip down the rabbit hole very early on, uh, you know in your mm-hmm. teens, the, those formative years, especially when you're watching uh, movies, like you went from from the big big movies, I'm sure. But now, you know the stuff that I see you put up, uh, you know it would be something that's well known within uh, the cinema community or, or in the cinephile community. But it's becoming more and more obscure. You're watching stuff that's probably um, you know. 
that that fewer people have uh, seen, and you're also kind of serving as a gateway for a lot of people, you know, uh, in the conversation. You know, if if uh, someone hasn't seen it, they they uh, are uh, interested in some picture that you put up about it, or you're posting about what you're watching next, and they kind of it serves as its own gateway, finding these movies that might not have been easily found before DVD, or you know, certainly before uh, you know uh, finding things on the internet like imdb or yeah. whatever like where, yeah. where do, what, what attracts you what are you looking for what does what does asian cinema uh give you if you can general generalize or are you going towards like are you uh um chasing asian directors are you like watching your favorite asian directors like what 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 gets you into them um i mean the the asian cinema is such a broad yeah. Uh, genre, obviously, because you have, I mean, you have K horror, you have, you know, you have, they, they have horror films, they have, you know, Yakuza movies, mm-hmm. they yeah. get, you have, you know, Kaijudo, you have all these different, you know, this period pieces. I mean, it's uh, crime films, I mean, you have everything like a, a, along the broad spectrum. I think, as far as like, you know, you know we were talking about what attracted to me to begin with, mm-hmm. I mean, like the killer and stuff like that, you know, that was kind of like my introduction. Uh, somewhat, it, w- it was the Japanese classics and also the you know the Hong Kong golden era stuff. Yeah, and and the action, no one was doing action like that in Hollywood. Oh, certainly, you know, yeah, yeah. and it blew me away. Like, I mean, I mean, I think really think that's like one big thing uh, that's cornered the market. You know, for or really brought me into Asian film. Yeah, is the action. You know, yeah, I mean, you can't like, really. You, it's you just like the it. French with uh, with noir. You know, mm-hmm. the French took the noir made their own noir movies and it kind of influenced even the the neo-noir stuff that was coming out in the 70s and 80s well the same thing with the the action american action also influenced uh hong kong cinema especially and then it comes back over here with the with the american action that was made not to the same level in my opinion but certainly certainly good stuff no, no, no. I mean, and, and it's funny too because I've had conversations with people that you know have not don't don't care about Asian movies. And this one guy one time told me that that you know American action movies are better than Asian action movies. And I go, okay, well, what's what do you think's a great American action film? And he goes, Face Off. And I, just, I was like, <laughs> really, dude? I mean, that's John Woo as an Asian director. I mean, he basically just brought his shtick over yeah. to America and exactly. you know, made a few films here, which weren't some of them were okay, some of them not. Sure. Um, Not a big fan of Wind Talkers. <laughs> no, Wind Talkers is terrible, dude. Wind Talkers is just awful. I actually own it though. <laughs> you do um, have a you do have a large collection, man. Yeah, I'm very jealous. No, no Kelly Bard status. <laughs> yeah, no one is. No one is. <laughs> but, the I mean, studios don't, don't put up put out enough uh, DVDs and Blu-rays to to satiate that man's hunger. <laughs> no, I know. I just I just want to know how he pays for all of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a lot of a lot of uh, drug yes. money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, Kelly. Uh, in case he's listening, or in case he hears this, um, I'll say it. I'll put it out there. What I, what, what I wanted to say though was that, like, um, so you know, I kind of got into the Golden Hong Kong stuff, and I kind of got into the Japanese classic era, and that's when I first started kind of discovering Kurosawa. I think I started with Ran, and I think I went to Seven Samurai next, and then um, I started going down uh, because where. I worked at there was a Barnes and Nobles uh, where I would go get my check. So mm-hmm. when I get my check every week, I would stop and I'd usually just buy like one Criterion title. Sure. 
and this was when I was like 18, probably around 20, around 20, somewhere around 21. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing that like every week. And so I was able to like accumulate a lot of the, you know, the Kurosawa stuff and the old samurai films and stuff like that. So that was like my like first, you know, initial passion. Mm-hmm. And I totally fell out for like a few years, man, like four or five years. I just basically just didn't even care about Asian films or anything. Just kind of, I mean, I just kind of, you know, ebb and flow. Go, right. And it was, yeah, yeah. And then uh, a buddy of mine, basically, I, I went over to his house one day, and he's like, "Dude, I got this movie. I'm gonna let you borrow it. You have to watch it." I'm like, "All right, you know what is it?" You know, and he hands me a copy, and it wasn't even the tartan version; it was an older version. It was Old Boy. Nice. And I took it home, and like, you know, I threw it on, dude. Blew me away. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I watched it, and I hated it for like two days. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then like, I was like. Just kept it kept sticking in my mind. It kept sticking in my mind, and so like, I, I was like, "Screw it, I'm gonna watch it again." So I threw it on, and it just blew me away again. And I was just like, "This is just an amazing film." And then, then what it was, let me what was the immediate gut reaction that made you hate it? Was it the the the, uh, the Greek, a, Greek tragedy part of it? Yeah, it's such a mean film, man. I mean, yeah. you, you just you want this guy to get his vengeance the whole time, mm-hmm. and and you know, I don't want to spoil it, but like you know, you get to the end, and it's just a like someone's punching you in the yeah, gut, yeah, yeah. you know, and it just made me angry, you know. And, that's a, uh, that's a interesting, you know. In relation to that, I had just watched. Um, I saw the devil. Oh yeah. Have you you've seen that? Yes. And what do you what do you think of I saw the devil? I think it's I think it's really good. I don't think I don't think it's quite on the level of some of the Korean masterpieces. Like I don't I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's a real fun movie. I mean, yeah. I. I um, I, I mean, I really dug it. How do you feel? Like, I, I personally, I think that it it's shot and directed really well. Oh, but yeah. That ending really kind of felt like false to me. Almost, um, almost like it didn't have anything really particular to say about revenge. I, I, I don't read it as it being that revenge is empty, but I do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did not have a good reaction to that ending. And it, this is also coming off of a, a lot of hype from our, our friends who really, really like that movie. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel? Did, did, it, did the ending work for you? I, I think the first two-thirds of the movie are stellar, and I think the ending is kind of weak, <laughs> yeah. honestly. I, that's, the way, that's kind of the way I felt about it. Um, I, it's not a, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I, I really dig it. It's a real good film. It's real graphic. It's real gory. You know, yeah, yeah. it delivers the goods. You the know, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so like, I mean, I, I do really like the film. It's just that I kind of felt that the third act was a lot weaker than the first two acts, and the and then, and like you said, it it, it didn't really. I didn't really f- walk away from it feeling like, like uh, you know, a great epiphany about revenge yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. or anything like that. It was just kind of like, okay, that was it. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, great build up, and then we got to that, that those final scenes, and you know. Yeah. The graphic and as cool as they are, it's kind of it is kind of a hollow ending yeah. ending to me. It was kind of a hollow ending to me. I, I just wasn't sure if it was just the the hype. I have to watch it again, but it, I was wondering if it was just me. Um, you feel uh, so so watching all of this this uh, you know it's obviously you know that's a good um, uh, gateway is certainly watching a lot of uh, Asian action. A lot mm-hmm. of people watch Asian horror. You know that's uh, the, yeah, their was, big thing. I got way into Asian horror. I was gonna say, like after Old Boy, mm-hmm. um, then I started basically buying up all the Tartan Asia Extreme titles, and yeah. you know some of them, some of them are really good, some of them aren't so good. Right. But um, 
yeah, and that's when I really started getting to like the horror aspect of it. And Asian horror is very different from American horror, obviously. Certainly, um, you don't really have monsters or you know things like that. It's not really they're not really slasher films. They obviously usually more opt for atmosphere and mm-hmm. you know the creepy factor more so than you know. But then I started going through and watching like Juon and Ring, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. And I got way into those for a while, and then I'm, I'm actually kind of burnt on those now. Like, I, there's a couple that are, there's one that's coming out. It's called um, Rigor Mortis that I heard's great. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't know. I just I'm kind of burnt out on Asian horror. Is at it this point. is it like the, is it this um, you know not to say that uh, they're all like, but it, there's a there's a sameness of the atmosphere, a sameness of of kind of the story that. Uh, that they that they that that as soon as something becomes really big, say like Ringu or whatever, that mm-hmm. there's so many um, mirrors, so many takeoffs on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and, and basically people, you know, it's 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 true in anything. I mean, sure. You look yeah, at when definitely. any look at any like Hollywood. Just giving you an example of Hollywood with oh, super on, action yeah. with superhero movies. You know, Surely. you know, a couple were made and they were successful. So now we're getting millions exactly. of them. You know, exactly. Um, and no one's really doing any, no one's, I mean, there are some exceptions, but no one's really doing anything different with superhero movies yet, you know? Everyone's mm-hmm. kind of playing in this kind of standard family-friendly, more type movies, you know, like, in, which is fine, you know, and I enjoy them on that level. But um, I'd really, I really like, you know, I've been actually, not been watching too many movies lately because I've just been reading comic books. I've yeah. kind of got a reading kick right now. Nice. And so I'm kind of just going back, and I'm reading reading all these you know books and stuff like that. I mean, Punisher and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. And, and dude, that stuff's dark, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very very dark, gritty storylines. And really. I'm really hoping that at some point, you know, with these superhero movies, that somebody's going to start doing those. I mean, obviously we had the Dark Knight trilogy, which is you know along that line, along those lines. Yeah. And look how wildly successful those are. Right. Um, but we but do yeah, have that problem with doing R-rated or or heavy violent graphic uh comic book movies like they they already have a problem doing anything that's above a pg-13 do you remember like the days of good old hard r action movies i mean yeah they just they just don't do it and i think dark knight was probably the most intense action that i've seen for a pg-13 movie Oh yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing too. It didn't, it wouldn't have to necessarily be an R rated, yeah. R rating. You know, it, you could do it with PG thirteen. You know, but just like like I said with the Dark Knight, you know, it's very dark film. I mean, mm-hmm. that the, the scene where uh, where Heath Ledger comes out and puts the pencil on the table and slams <laughs> the guy's head into the table. I mean, that's yeah. freaking hardcore, dude. Definitely. You know, like and it, or I mean, cuts open his cheek, cuts open what's his name's cheek, yeah, Michael Jai yeah. White, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, so I mean, there's ways of doing it without, you know, showing the blood and guts, you yeah. know. So they can go, they can go around it, but it's just, you know, you know how it is with Hollywood. They're they're just all about the bottom line is money, Definitely. you know. So the more seats they can pack into theaters, it's the movie business. The more that, yeah, yeah that's and that's the way it is. But yeah, getting back to what we were saying though, like yeah, just it, you kind of have when when you have a couple films that come out of a country in a certain time or certain era, yep. then of course you're going to have all these people that are coming in because obviously, you know, they who are these two guys, you know, it's like Ringu, for instance, <laughs> right. like Ringu and Juwan, these right. two films come out and they're huge, you know? So of course you're going to have everybody jumping on that wagon yeah, trying exactly. to make money off of that type of film because right. obviously there's a market for it. Right. Yeah. How do you feel about, about it? Like, um, when you, when you look at the, the cinema, do you, do you, 
approach things from a genre standpoint or are you looking for anything and everything? It seems like you watch, you know, quiet dramas as much as you do the genre stuff. Or am I wrong? I like just about, yeah, I just, I like just about everything, man. Like I, I, I mean, I'll sit through an Uzo film with two and a half hour Uzo film where really nothing happens and, yeah. and enjoy every, every second of it. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I, I love my just cheesy, like, you know, you know, gangster flicks and, sure, yeah. and bad kung fu movies, you know, like, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I try to, I try to basically avoid the trap of being that film snob, mm-hmm. you know, um, you get, you, yeah, I, I find that that's true about this community, about, yeah. you know, uh, us oh, being a part of this. That we're not all just uh, fans of, of, of cult cinema or, or really snobby about, you know, mm-hmm. our elite art house taste. We're, like, all yeah. over the board. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I like to balance out, you know, class and trash, GGTMC, yeah. you know? Like, gotcha. I like to, I like to balance that out, you know? Like, I'd be able to watch, you know? I want to like to be able to enjoy something like Miami Connection, you know? Yep. Uh, as much as I enjoy, you know, watching a Tarkovsky film. But, sure. like, you know... You enjoy him on different levels, you know. Yeah. You, you know, Tarkovsky, and 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 that that's been my great discovery this year is Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy is amazing, dude. Yeah. Like every time I finish one of his films, it's in my head for like four or five yeah. days, you know. Like, and it's just it just haunts me, you know. Definitely. Very haunting filmmaker. And actually, he was a big uh, um, uh, him and Kurosawa were friends too. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember seeing like the the correspondence or the pictures that they took together and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. The, they both kind of paid each other a compliment back and forth, and and I guess at one time Tarkovsky said that any time that he's gets ready to go film a new film, the first thing he does is watch the Seven Samurai. And I yeah. guess once once Kurosawa heard that, he said, "Well, the first thing I watch is Andre Rublev." Yeah, yeah. If I pronounce that right, I'm not sure. No, close enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. I I I really really like that idea because I you know I find that even at this time period in our lives if we're not constantly open to new things and and learning new things or exposing ourselves to new filmmakers that we become kind of stagnant it's the same for like when you're interested in in music or you're only interested in a particular type of video game or whatever you become stagnant Mm. and you realize that you're only playing or listening or watching those types of movies and I think it's really good Mm. to challenge yourself and go outside of that I'm I've been watching a lot of Krzysztof Kislowski recently for the first time you know we did the, with the GGTMC we did that pod crawl for um, the Three Colors trilogy and okay. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen a lot of Kislowski and he's becoming one of these filmmakers after I see one of his movies that I you know like like with you and Tarkovsky you're watching it and uh, thinking about it you're uh, you know uh, weeks later or whatever Oh yeah, absolutely. And and, and and just kind of keying off something we were talking about with like the GGTMC and the other communities that we have um, that were in it, and you know, like I said, I, you were saying I'd post something and you know someone see it. That that's true on my side too. I mean, people are constantly posting stuff in there where I'm like, "Ooh, what's this?" Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd never heard of that. You know, yeah. or um, like you know, one of the films I watched just, uh, recently that I was listening to one of the top thirty podcasts. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it was the Sil- Silver and Gold one. Yeah. And uh, I think Jake Jake Feltner said uh, recommended uh, a film called Fort Graveyard. Um. It was, I think, in 1956. I have to mm-hmm. look. I mean, I could look it up. It's got Mafuni in it. Nice. It's just a great little flick, and it's on YouTube. If nice. you get a chance, it's basically kind of, kind of a war film, um, mm-hmm. but just a beautiful film, though. Great film. And in the 50s too. That's like at the height of uh, yeah. Mafune's uh, power. Prowess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, and then like that, that's just like a little gem, you know, like this this is an example of a little gem that I came across, you know, mm-hmm. and I would have never ever heard of that film or even had any idea that that film ever existed if it wasn't for these groups. Yeah, definitely. And these groups are kind of like uh, you know, you know, film school continued is what it is, mm-hmm. really. Um, you know, part of the the thing that we talked about, you know, coming on and doing a podcast today was that we were going to do a top 10. Mm-hmm. And um you know, you're sending me messages, I'm sending you messages about how difficult this is to kind of like <laughs> squeeze it into a top 10. And it's not until like I'm I'm putting together a top 10 that I realize how much um, my top 10 is made up of, you know, not even obscure films, like the big ones. You know, the big ones that a lot of people have heard of, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be obscurist, elitist hipster about it, but I am trying mm-hmm. to, like, go outside the box, like, what am I, what, what are my favorite movies that are not typically on top ten lists of Asian cinema or Japanese cinema? I'm sure you're going to be able to add to this list. Um, oh, and, and, and what I tried to do, too, was I kind of, like, I, I tried to look at it as a favorite list, and what I kind of tried to do was to to kind of take like genres or you know uh, how would I explain it? genres and time periods and kind of like pick a film out of each one you know yeah. what I mean yeah, so yeah. like I kind of have a wide base of films like you know um, because it's so it's so hard I mean I could pick a top ten out of just Kurosawa's tato- sure. catalog alone you that's know? what I said um, to my girlfriend I was like I, I, I run the, the risk of my whole top ten just being Kurosawa movies <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, and so I actually had I have like a I have a ten, but I also have like a, a list of five of honorable mentions. Perfect, too. perfect. Me so. too. Me too. And some of these, uh, uh, some of these single like numbers, I've added, you know, two, three, four movies that constantly move yeah. in and out of that number. Um, yeah, what I what I kind of did too is like because like with uh, well. Uh, um, like with uh, the Kurosawa, you know, I picked a Kurosawa movie, but I also like I got another one right, sitting right next to it, just kind of like those yeah. two, you know. You know what I mean, yeah. So, anyways, I mean, recently, I mean, I even posted on on uh, the GGTMC uh, Facebook about you know, kill your babies. What is your favorite movie? And even yeah, yeah. then, looking at that that fucking uh, um, post seeing how many people mm-hmm. could not pick one <laughs> like they'll say yeah. this one, but on another day it would be this one. They just could not like pick one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times rewatches will will change your mind of some Definitely. of a certain film or whatever, or put it up a little bit higher in your in your list. Definitely, and I think a lot of that, some of it might come with age too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you get a little older, something might impact you more so than it did when you were in your twenties, or right. you know. I told my uh, my girlfriend that we were doing this today, and and she's um, uh, she's kind of giving me the guilt trip that she's not a part of this podcast because she's such a big Asian cinema Aww. fan too. But she made a, uh, a, a, a ostensibly, I told her, make a top 10 list. Let me let me see it because she's usually got a really good taste in movies, not just from one country either, all over Asia. And um, mm-hmm. her top 10 became a top 31. She just could not <laughs> make it any less. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, let's. No. Uh, how do you want to approach this? Do you want to approach this like uh, GGTMC does, or do you want to start with uh, the honorable mentions and then we'll we'll break into the uh, ten all the way up to one? Does that work for you? That sounds good. Um, honorable mentions first, and then yeah, ten to one. Let's ten, go with that. Sounds good. Honorable mentions. Let's talk about things that didn't make the list. You want to go all first? Right. You want to talk about uh, all of them as a group, or do you want to talk about each one? I'll just uh, each one, I guess. Okay. But uh, all right, uh, we'll just go back and forth, I guess. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. All 
All right. Um, first one I got on here is Kim Ki Duk's Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Nice. And what is it? What appeals to the? What what did? Why didn't it make the list? And why? Why does it? Why does it? Why is it part of your your honorable mentions? It's just such a, a just a goddamn beautiful film, man. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's it. There's just so much. It's kind of like a how life repeats itself and cycles, how things come and go and, yeah. and, and basically how human nature repeats itself. And, and, um, Kim Ki Duk is very hit and miss for me. Sometimes I love his films and sometimes I absolutely hate them. Like I can, I hated bad guy. I just could not stand <laughs> that film. But, um, then I love Pieta and, but, uh, but spring, summer, fall and winter and spring to me, like that's, that was one of those films that I came across after I was kind of out of Asian cinema for a little bit, and I, and I came across when I started getting back into it, I came across that one. I threw it on one day, and it just floored me, man. I mean, uh, I mean, I know I was loafing at the end of that thing. You know what I mean, <laughs> very nice. Um, my my first would be uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Cure. That's a <laughs> that's a movie that I feel like when we talk about atmosphere. It's like yeah. it, it. It reminds me a lot of the dread that recently I've I've been seeing in in like True Detective, the atmosphere that just gets under your skin, and it's it, the, the 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 fear, the horror really is psychological and cerebral, and it really does a good job of of capturing that that dread that we see like in movies like Seven, and things like that over here. Yeah, and it's just a mind twist, man. It's funny, too. I knew that you were going to come up with a movie that I was going to be like, shit, that should have been on my list. You know? <laughs> right. And it, it was the first one. Uh, yeah, dude. I just, I just watched that last year, and I've always been a fan of Pulse, which is another film by him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, that one's just a mind fucking a half. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one of those ones you finish it, and it's like you got to piece everything together in your head, you know? Especially, oh. yeah, especially um, I've watched it with several friends who have not seen that like they weren't paying attention to that last shot Mm -hmm. you know the last shot you know all spoilers ahead i'm sorry but uh you have you have a i believe it's a waitress with a knife Mm -hmm. and she's going to stab someone yeah i mean you can tell that the the um the uh mesmerizing the 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 otherworldly part the magical part of the Mm -hmm. uh of the movie uh is continuing the serial killing or the, you know, the, the, the murder yeah. lust is continuing. Still going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I know. Good stuff. Yeah, it's a great film. What's your next one? All right. Um, I almost hesitated to put this one on the list just because, uh, or even as an honorable mention, just because it's so well known. But And we already talked about it earlier, so we don't have, I don't think we have to spend too much time on it. But old boy, if you haven't seen it, what's your problem? Get on it. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, the whole Vengeance trilogy and pretty much everything Park Chan-wook's done except for I'm a Cyborg, get on it. It's, <laughs> it, it, get it, it. You know, if you haven't seen it, what's your problem? Get on yeah, it. You know? Absolutely. Um, when, I, when it comes to Takashi Miike, for me, um, he's got so many movies that... I have a visceral reaction to, and and it's it's um his movies can can be a gut punch. They can also be um you know especially with the recent stuff that he's done, they can be a, uh these these uh samurai um epics that you know I just did not expect him to go do something as lavish as uh, some of these movies. Um, but uh, two of them, you know, obviously one of those horror mainstays is Audition, and that was on there. But I also 
it, it goes back and forth with me because of how visceral my reaction was to this second movie, and that's Visitor Q. Okay, I have not seen that. That that movie is is so perverse uh, in and of itself that it is it is probably the quintessential uh, Mike film to just like um, try to try to pull you by the balls. He did mm-hmm. he did so many movies at a certain phase in his career that were just about being evocative, just being mm-hmm. you know evoking you to some sort of emotional reaction, and I think Visitor Q is probably the it's it's like it's almost like Salo. It's just so much uh, of a gut punch to watch that movie. Both films I have not seen. Yeah, those are those <laughs> I have are not seen th- Solo either. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. What's the next one? Uh, um, I watched this film last year and it literally just blew my mind, and it's still to the sticks in my head. And I think it's one of the greatest horror films of all time. It's called Anibaba. Hell yeah, that's a yeah. that's a Criterion. Uh, yes collection mainstay also yes and it's just shot so freaking well it's just it's you you talk about a movie with atmosphere i mean it's just absolutely it's just totally horrific it's it i mean it's this you know they're they're taking them to be you know they're killing these samurai guys and dropping them down this hole in this field you know Mm -hmm. and it's just the entire film is just so visually striking and just and you know, there's not there's long spots where there's no dialogue or anything. Not, not you know, nothing really has to be said. And there is a bit of a supernatural element in the thing, but it's right. really like the real horror of the film comes from what you know the actions of the characters. You know, and it's just just a great film, man. Just one of those ones you, you throw it on and you're, you're glued to the screen for the whole That's thing. A, you know, that was a, like, that was a '60s film, right? Yeah. The, the that country did so well at making those types of supernatural even ghost stories at that mm-hmm. time period so mm-hmm. so fantastic yeah like ugetsu and kuriko yeah, yeah. yeah oh so good exactly. those ones are a little bit they're not on the scary side so much as right. more on the, the emotional side i guess you'd say right. um drama side definitely um the i'm trying to see who directed it because i don't remember um, um i got it. it's kenato shindo yeah yeah right right and see what he'll i already i have it open right here I'm trying to see what else he did uh director um nothing actually that i think i'd seen interesting I'm sure maybe you know. Sometimes it's kind of hard with when you're looking up through IMDb. Like some yeah. of the lang- names are in, in Japanese, exactly, so it's yeah. not really. It's kind of hard to tell unless you go through and individually look at every single one of them. A little more direct. Yeah. Um, this next movie, on my honorable mention, is is not a movie I've seen recently. I saw it probably close to ten years ago for the mm-hmm. first time, and I think I only watched it um, maybe once, maybe twice. But it's Kamikaze Taxi by uh, Masato uh, Harada. Um, you know, this is a movie that's, that is, it, what stays with you is its long duration shots. It's a, it's a nearly three hour movie. It's a, it really is kind of a, a quiet drama too. It's not like a heavy action film or a crime film, but um, there's, there's stuff in there that just, long duration shots that are just, like paintings, like like paintings to watch. The composition's fantastic. It's it is a well directed movie, if not a good movie. It's a well directed movie. It's definitely worth checking out if if uh, you get a chance to. Oh, I've never heard of it. I'm looking it up right now. It looks great. 
Um, it, the last, I think the last shot of the movie is like 15 or 20 minutes long. Nice. And it, it, I hadn't seen anything like that until I saw, uh, uh, what is it? Funny games with the long duration shot in there too. But yeah, that's a, that's another good one. What's your, uh, what's your number four? (sighs) My number four would be a Teshigahara film called Pitfall. Nice. And I haven't seen that. There, there is a set that you can buy that Criterion put out. It's got three Teshigahara films on it. They were all written by a guy named Kobo Abe, and I was actually a fan of uh, Kobo Abe before I even realized that there are any films made on his uh, on his uh, off of his books. Gotcha. But um, the the three films and it's, and it's Woman in the Dunes, Face of Another, and Pitfall. Right. Now everybody knows Woman in the Dunes. I mean, not yeah. everybody, but I mean, it's a pretty well known film. Well known one. Yeah, and Face of Another is also great too. I mean, they're all great, but Pitfall was one of those ones where it was like I had not, had not heard anything about it. You know, I, I threw it in, and it was like like an, like Anibaba, where I was just like I was glued. I yeah. just I couldn't even look away from the screen. Beautifully shot, gorgeous black, stark black and white. You nice. know, and it's got this like I love that. supernatural element to it. And and there's the the opening scenes are just full of so much mystery and just like as you're watching, you're just like. What the hell is going on? You know, like like this, right. like what is going on? Who's this guy? You know, like and it, it, it was just one of those films that just it totally blew me away. And it's funny though because I posted about the film in a couple of the groups, and a couple guys kind of knock on it, and say it's not it's not as good as you think, Keith or whatever. But I I just thought this one was just like phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I I you know different strokes for different yeah, folks, yeah, right? Definitely, it's a, it's but, all subjective. I mean, this whole list is subjective, definitely. Exactly. Definitely want to check that out. Pitfall. That's awesome. Um, the last two that I have are actually pretty connected because uh, one of the big things, you know, we talk about genre um, that got me really interested. Besides the the art house flavors of, of Curse Hour or Ozu or whatever, the thing that mm-hmm. really got me on Asian cinema were probably gangster pictures, um, mm-hmm. triad movies, Yakuza mm-hmm. pictures. Those were the big ones, you know, the, the ones that throughout the 60s and 70s. And um, the stuff that Fukasu, Fukusaku did, um, you know, the, the battles without uh, honor and humanity, mm-hmm. which is actually on my top 10 list. We'll talk about that later. But um, he did Yakuza Graveyard which mm-hmm. is a really good Yakuza picture. And there's another one um, that I think Hideo Gosha did called The Wolves, and it's got Nakadai in there. Yes, I've, um, I have that. Yeah, this, both of them are really probably in the top 10 Yakuza pictures I've seen. Just both of them are really, really good. I have not seen, um, what was the one you just met? The, the Wolves. Fukusaku? The, no, not the Fukusaku. Oh, the uh, Yakuza Graveyard. I have not seen that, but I just recently watched... Um, uh, Graveyard of Honor, yeah. and that was phenomenal. Absolutely. And uh, all right, uh, we'll we'll talk about those because you said they're on your list later. Yeah, yeah. But all right, um, and I had to throw this one in, dude, just because I think that um, this is one of those films. Like I, I kind of I try and approach this from favorite, not necessarily what I think are the best films, yeah, but just sure. favorites, you know. Sure. And this one I've watched. Uh, Five or six times since, since I've bought the film, I bought it at three different. I bought it three different times. Uh, I have it on Blu-ray, and I had I have it an HK DVD, and then I, I bought it on a, a regular American DVD. And I actually ended up giving my American copy to somebody, and he's had it for like five months and hasn't watched it. <laughs> Don't but, you hate that, man? I got a fucking gift for a friend of mine uh, about eight years ago. Hard Eight by uh, by uh, PT Anderson. Yeah. He has yet to watch that show. Oh. <laughs> 
eight yeah, years Yeah, it drives ago. me nuts, dude. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, watching The Office reruns for like a 40th time. I'm like, dude, freaking throw that movie in. You will love it. Anyways, the movie is Johnny Toe's Exiled. Nice, nice. Um, just, I, I wanted to pick a Johnny Toe film because the guy's given us so much. Sure. And, and, and it's funny because it kind of goes along with what you were talking about with gangster Yakuza triad mm-hmm. films. Um, this one, I just, I just love it, man. It's, it's like part Western. It's an action film. Mm-hmm. But it has like this very, very raw emotional charge to it yeah. um, that you don't really see in too many action films, you yeah. know, um, where you really feel the plight of the characters in this film. I mean, the, the, the scene, uh, I'm just going to spoil some stuff in this Go movie, ahead. but because no, no, I, I love it. it so much. This scene where the woman, they bring back the, 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 uh, the guy who, who got killed and the woman has a baby mm-hmm. and she basically like takes all the furniture in the house destroys it throws it on top of him lights him on fire you know and like takes off and and they do that whole scene oh man i mean it's just and, and then but before she does that she goes to the room and looks at their baby and pours a gun at a yeah. baby's head thinking about just killing it killing right. herself and killing the baby it's like wow yeah, you know it's a heavy um, shit man Seriously. yeah and, and what also what i really 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 love about that film too is the music is just fantastic mm-hmm. uh the score uh that the scene where they're let, helping him unload his truck and there's like this almost kind of like baroque bar, bar, baroque type esque yeah. um, like guitar piece that play and it just to this day like that scene I just love you know there's so many scenes in that film that I just love yeah. you know and it, it's just one of those films I can watch over and over again. I think that's um, a big part too, man. That I'm glad that you said the music because I feel like when a lot of people talk about Asian cinema, when they talk about cinema in general, they always talk about the look of something or the director. But with Asian cinema, I never hear talk, people talk about how good the music is in, in their favorite Asian movies. Mm-hmm. I wish they oh, would more. Just wait till we get to one on my list because I'm going to spend some time talking <laughs> sure. specifically about uh, somebody. And I'm, I, I'm not going to say who it is, but you probably know who I'm talking right about. But, um, all right. But Johnny Anyways. Toe, yeah, that is, a, that is a director that I do uh, need to see more of his movies. I've yeah, only seen a few. Triad and Election and, uh, and Election are both great. Drug War was amazing. Nice. I mean, Oh, yeah, Drug War. That's a, yeah. That I did see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Exiled, uh, to me, that's my favorite Toe film. It's just, it's just pure cinema force and energy you know nice anyways well let's get into the formal list all right let's start with number 10 okay so i went through my list last night there's a reason a little setup here for number 10 Mm -hmm. and i went through everything and i realized i did not put a damn kung fu film on on my list and i have to you know you can't trying to think you know t- like i said i was trying to incorporate 10 different films from kind of like each genre each walk of life in each country just kind of try to like give an amalgamation of like just great films from each thing so yeah, i was yeah. like man i gotta have a kung fu film in here dude you know so i went with after much thought i went with five element ninjas because nice. that movie especially just the last 30 minutes are mm-hmm. just balls to the wall blood soaked crazy yeah, kung yeah. fu great awesomeness it delivers. Runner, yes, yes, and the and the runner up to the kung fu thing, which one was gonna was gonna pick, and I went back and forth on, which was the other one was Dragons Forever with uh, Jackie Chan and um, that I haven't seen. Uh-uh. Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and uh, nice. Yuen Biao. It's nice. like it's 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 just like the stupidest greatest action movie ever. Nice. It's like the Three Stooges meets Jackie Chan. It's great. <laughs> 
Um, my my number ten also. Where I was trying to with each one of these, I, I, what I was trying to do was not do too many repeat directors because again, I could do a top twenty of of Kurosawa movies. Exactly. But I was also trying to find you know those genres and subgenres that I that really attract me to to Asian cinema, and the two at number ten kind of. They they in a in a weird way go hand in hand. It, it, considering that um, it actually okay. Well, I'll just go right into it. Uh, Police Story Two is one of them. Okay. All right, and that's one of my uh, favorite of those those cop kung fu flicks that uh, that uh, Jackie Chan did. Just oh, you know, film. quintessential. I think a lot of these are uh, Jack, Jackie Chan in the eighties was just superb. Yeah. Um, it- and speaking of Jackie Chan, just real quick, you know, you asked me earlier about things that got me into Asian cinema. Mm-hmm. Rumble in the Bronx, man. I remember when that came out, dude. Like that just was a game changer for me. I think I you're absolutely. That. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's probably for me too. I remember seeing that, and I think it was right after. Um, you know, I don't think that I was really familiar with Jackie Chan until Tarantino started talking about him as much. Yep. I think that too. was kind of the gateway for me. Yeah, me too. I remember that uh, there was some MTV Movie Awards, and that Q- uh, QT gave exactly. yeah, yeah. Jackie Chan an award. Uh-huh. And I think that was like the first time I'd ever really, heard, you know, seen or heard of Jackie Chan. And yeah. they were showing all these clips, and I'm like, "Wow, this is like pretty cool looking stuff," you know. Uh-huh. And then, like, then right after that, like, you know, Tarantino built up interests, and then they brought over Rumble in the Bronx, which is not yep. the best Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, yeah. But dude, I mean, just I was like 16, man. That movie was like, oh my god, this is amazing, absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm on the on your wavelength. That's exactly where I started seeing him. Mm-hmm. Um, Police Story Two is on there, and definitely, um, I wish it was higher. But Infernal Affairs is also another movie that goes back and forth with uh, me on that on that ten slot. Infernal Affairs is so good and and so influential, not just because of The Departed, but mm-hmm. it is really influential in in uh, really smart um, cop dramas, almost twisty, turny cop dramas in in uh, in Hong Kong right now. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's uh, pretty influential? Oh, it's very seminal. Um, it's definitely like uh, you know the, the cops and robbers. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, type film in the very you know obviously kind of paved the way for what with what johnny toe was doing at the time and stuff like that so yeah i definitely think and it's a it's a great film and i will say i do like it better than departed because i think that infernal affairs has more of a an emotional intensity than the departed had i mean departed is a good film don't get me wrong i Mm -hmm. mean you couldn't ask for a better remake really yeah um but it didn't have like I mean, there's a scene in Infernal Affairs where this guy gets thrown off a building. Yeah. And and you know, in the scene during the movie Departed, you know, like it didn't have any emotional impact. It was like, okay, that guy got killed, you know, whatever. Right. And this it was like it was crushing to me when I watched the Infernal Affairs. I was like, oh man, that like you know, oh dude, that you know, that 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 really got to me when I watched that film. You know, like yeah, yeah. I teared up a little bit. You know, um, but I didn't get the, I didn't get that out of uh, at all out of uh, Departed. So yeah. I, I, well, you say I'm. I'm guessing you definitely saw Infernal Affairs first. So it was. It was. Do you feel like you were trying to piece together the um, what what it was keeping, what the Departed was holding over into it? Well, I, wa- I watched Infernal Affairs first, um, and then I watched uh, Departed like shortly after. Okay. Um, I, I didn't have any trouble putting it together. And the, but and here's the other thing too. I might have 
kind of had more of an emotional impact with yeah. The Departed if I had seen that first too. Yeah, because obviously I, I kind of know the story right. and I knew that guy was going to bite it, you know, mm-hmm. so it didn't really have the impact so much as with me as if it did the first time around with the, with I the fi- original. I film. find that to be true a lot with people, whatever the, the first movie they see, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it, they, they're, they're in that learning, absorbing phase the first time. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch it again, whether you're watching the original or you're watching a remake, it's almost like uh, it, it, you're trying to connect the dots. You're not mm-hmm. watching it to absorb the story because you already have the story in the back of your mind. Yeah, exactly. That's what I feel the problem is. Uh, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is a... It's actually two films, but it, it makes sense. It's uh, John Woo's A Better Tomorrow 1 and 2. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, two is not a great film, but my God, the la- finale of that <laughs> yes. movie. Um, I, that was one of those ones that like... Did, didn't it have early, like three editors? Uh, I don't even know. I think the story went... I read, it, I read this uh, recently too. Uh, it was like he gave it to two or three editors or the, the production company was trying to make sense of it with two or three editors. And each one of them did a different cut. And they couldn't make sense of the story, but they they all, you know, kind of joined together to make the last, you know, whatever that was, five, ten minute scene. And man, does it work so well. It's so fucking mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and, you know, Chow Yun Fat, you know, Fantastic. like, I mean, it, 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 it's... It's so funny too because that movie's got like even part two as bad as it is the fact that you know um, you know you're bringing back Chow Yun Fat and it's not Chow Yun Fat but it's yeah, his yeah. brother you know yeah. like it's just totally contrived and kind of silly <laughs> yeah. but I, I can still look past it for the film just because but the action sequences are so great but I mean the first the first film is actually a really well made film it's really well mm-hmm. put together I mean it's not it, I mean it has those great action scenes but it, it, it's actually a really well made film too. Yeah. And I mean the scene, and not only that, but it has that scene with Chow Yun Fat with the guns in the uh, planners, mm-hmm. which basically just completely made his career. Yeah, you know um, th- that you know, and it's just an iconic film. You know, I could I could have picked twenty. You know, I I I, I did pick in uh, Killer and Hard Boiled. You know, and obviously all those the Woo stuff that came out back then was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I I rewatched it better tomorrow. I hadn't seen it for like ten years. I watched it last year. I rewatched it. And it really grew on me this this on the yeah, second yeah. watch, um, and um, I think that it's one of those films that kind of like grows on you each time you watch it. It it definitely like if if you know it felt way it felt really put well put together yeah. more so than what I remembered. Um, but yeah, and and obviously that's the movie that basically made Chow Yun Fat. That's the movie that basically made John Woo. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know that was also a, a big big one for me as far as like a seminal film that launched me into Asian films because yeah. then I got all into Woo and and then and then Bullet in the Head which is another oh, yeah, yeah. great great film Fantastic. you know um, yeah um, just yeah just that and I wanted to have some Woo on the the, the list yeah. because I mean come on it's John yeah, Woo got to <laughs> um, my number nine is is like we have we've said already with uh, with how popular this is it's, it's kind of a shoe in but uh, i'm not gonna i'm not just uh, putting old boy on there but the whole vengeance trilogy okay um 
those three films, you know, do a really good job, even though they're kind of only thematically connected. I think uh, uh, my girlfriend really loves like uh, Lady Vengeance, and and I really have a lot of um, love for the first one, and and mm. and Old Boy is kind of a culmination of all all three of them, it kind of stylistically and story wise. But all three of them are, are just, you know, when they came out, I think that they they became kind of a pinnacle of uh, what people weren't expecting out of, you know, that region of Asia. Um, I don't think that, it, were, there, were there big movies before that that came out of Korea? <sighs> well, Shiri was one of the big yeah, ones. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and that one does not hold up well at all. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, you know, uh, some, we had someone um, posted something the other day on GGTMC, I think. And they were basically saying the same thing that they went back and rewatched Shiri and they were just like, what did I see in this film? You know? <laughs> um, and it was, that was probably like their, their first real big one. Yeah. Um, right. that as far as like, you know, People, you know, started people started paying attention to what was coming right. out of Korea. For, at that for, point. Yeah, for the current uh, the current time period. Yeah. Yeah, but and and, and and old boy is like you know the maxim of of Korean filmmaking at this point. Still, I mean, it's like the masterpiece. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and and it's funny though that you said Lady Vengeance because that's Lady Vengeance is my wife's all time favorite Asian film. It's, it, <laughs> talk about uh, women getting revenge, and yeah. uh, they love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I, I've heard a lot of people criticize. Um, uh, Lady Vengeance as being the weakest of the trilogy, but I, I and, and I can kind of see why they're why they're saying that because it is really just your typical revenge story as mm-hmm. opposed to Old Boy, which is you know there's a lot going on in Old Boy and uh, and uh, Mr. Vengeance, which yeah. is I think I think uh, story wise Mr. Vengeance is probably the greatest of all sure. three. Just yeah. um, but dude, there's something about Lady Vengeance. It's just so much fun, man. Yeah. It's just such a, it's just a ride, you yeah. know. Um, and speaking of music, dude, the the the, the moho to- I can't remember the heck of the name. The some some ensemble that does the music for Lady Vengeance. Um, yeah, I had that soundtrack, dude. <laughs> for and that was something that like I, I'm not a big soundtrack guy. Like you know, I don't really like constantly you know listen to movie soundtracks. Right. But that was one of those like the music from Old Boy and Lady Vengeance, where it's like I when, once I really got into those movies, I you know. I found a place where I could get copies of those soundtracks, and I listened to them like crazy. And that that one song that's on uh, Lady Vengeance, dude, the one the little girl sings. Yeah. Oh my God! And then it goes the opera singers. Yeah. That's. Oh, I, I mean, that's just. I remember it vaguely. I need music. to. I need to revisit that. Oh, it's just a great piece of music. Nice. Uh, yeah. And and it also kind of kind of bugs me that like I wonder I wonder why or what the deal was with, with Mr. Vengeance, why he chose not to score that film at all. I mean, yeah. there's, there's really no score to that film. There's not really right. any music in it. Right. Um, it's very, you know, very quiet, you know. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think it is the best film just because, I mean, who do you root for in that, exactly. in, in, in that film? And that's exactly. what I thought was, was so great about it is that... Little murky. Um, yeah, it, it, it really showed the pointlessness of revenge mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you have two guys that, you know, they've got some of their bad qualities, some of them done bad things, good things, this and that, but neither person's a bad guy, yeah. you know, and neither person's a good guy really either, but right. so it's like, who do you know, and I just remember watching See, it for the first time, like, like who do I root for, you know, See, who's that, the protagonist? That, that, is a, that is a movie that that handles the emptiness of revenge really well, like yes, that's thematically what it is, when I watch... I saw the devil. I see what the conceit of the movie is that he's going to be predator and prey to mm-hmm. the to the serial killer. 
Mm-hmm. But it, the way it ends seems so false to me because that whatever the emptiness of revenge, he's he's walking down the road crying. He doesn't have his wife is dead, but he's just did a, a saw like uh, a yeah, murder scene yeah, with that serial yeah. killer in front of his family. Did the family yeah. deserve to see that? You know what I mean? It's so yeah. empty and fucked up. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's go on to number eight. Okay. My number eight is uh, a little film by a guy named Takashi Miike. <laughs> and I do think he has better films than the film that I'm going to mention, but as far as favorites, as far as something that I can just throw on and enjoy the hell out of and watch over and over again... I got to go with Ichi the Killer, dude. Yeah, yeah. Ichi the Killer is just so mm-hmm. great. And um, it's just one of those films that's just, it, it, to me, it's kind of like, I, I look at it as like a, um, almost like a Pulp Fiction type film yeah. where it's just kind of a game changer. It's yeah, just, yeah. you can totally see the, the pure love of cinema that, that mm-hmm. Miike has in this film. It's just so exuberant and it's just like, uh, it's just it's just such a it, you know for a film as as graphic and gory as it is it's just so much fun dude. Mm-hmm. like I mean it's just all it is is just pure fun it's and, it's, uh, it's all about uh, Tadanobu Asano mm-hmm. with the fucking you know his his Kaki sliced Hara. cheeks yeah oh my god and the, the you know dude I mean come on the movie and and, and the thing too it's like it just the movie's freaking title credits are in human sperm and I actually <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> read about like the making of the film and yeah. they actually used real sperm yeah. it's, real it's sperm. in the commentary they talk yeah. about yeah real yeah. real semen so yeah. if you want to watch a movie that's balls to the wall and actually has, has titles coming out of semen please yeah yeah, exactly, and, and one of the things that I think is great about it too is it, and it was a film that took me I think a couple of viewings to really kind of get you know what I mean yeah. um is how wonderfully he just like pulls the rug out of you in the final act. Yeah, it pulls the rug out of you, or it's like, oh, you you want that big final showdown, mm-hmm. fuckers? Nope, you exactly. ain't getting it. You know, yep. <laughs> and like, I like that you made the sound effect that he had yeah, yeah. when he fell off. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then I mean, there's just so many just like wonderful, just like bizarre moments in that film. Yeah. I mean, like uh, freaking Shinya Sukamoto, you know, is masterminding yeah, this yeah. whole thing. And then, you know, if you get to the very end, he takes his clothes off and he's like a bodybuilder. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, where, like how, where did that come from? You know, there's just so many great random moments yeah. in that. It's got, in that. So, it's got a very weird, fucked up sense of humor. Yes, it does. I, I really and, I, like and, it. and that's why I, I, I really like it. You know, there's no love in your punches. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. Like, and, and and that's really what introduced me to Asano too, which yeah, yeah. you know is the other thing. And I actually have another film um, written down on my number eight, just because since I'm you know I didn't want to pick a bunch of films by the same director, but I have to say that Miike's Graveyard of Honor is probably my favorite Miike film. Is or that's, pro- that's been on my list forever. I still haven't seen that. I hear oh, good it's it's so good. It's just uh, it's it's it, it's very low key for me. Uh-huh. It's it's funny. It's I, I'd say low key, but at the same time, there's a lot of craziness in the movie. Right. But it's very low key for me. Me, okay, it's got this fantastic jazz soundtrack. Nice. Um, and you know, but it's 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 very very dark. Um, and it, and it's basically you're watching a a, a guy destroy himself. You know, it, it, but it one of my favorite films of his. But I mean, I had to put Ichi the Killer on there first just because it's just dynamite. That movie's just fucking well, dynamite. It's you know? also part of yeah. It's almost it's also part of that. Uh, 
that phase that I was talking about where he's being evocative, you know, all yeah. those, all those movies that came out around then he was, you know, it wasn't necessarily that they were always like cohesive stories, but they mm-hmm. were like a, a, a collection of scenes that were just either shocking or gross out or gore, gorific, you know, just really crazy stuff. Dude, what, what was the beginning? Which, which dead or alive is it? It has the beginning part where the two dudes are having sex in the bathroom Holy and he slits the guy's throat. Yeah, I don't know. Was it the second one? I don't even know. I think, I'm not sure, but yeah, just like, I mean, that dude, that opening, I mean, that's a perfect yeah. example of Miike. I mean, it's like he's basically just trying to fuck with people. You I, know? Love, I love the people that are coming to him now when he's doing more kind of almost conventional yeah. films. Like, I don't, think, I don't think that people that are coming to him now even realize, like, where he came from. You watch a yeah. movie like, uh, what am I thinking of? The, oh, the really... The really crazy one that's going to go along with uh, Visitor Q. Shit, I can't remember. But um, yeah, he's such a he's such an evocative director, man. He it, is it, gut punch, gut punch director. Are you thinking about um? Oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, Gozu? No. Gozu, Gozu, close. Come on, what? Is, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to have he's, to go to. Uh, he's got like a thousand movies. He though, does. So it might take you a second to find <laughs> yeah, it. I know. That guy cranks them out like every three months. Ninety. Or he was, anyways. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, was it City of Lost Souls? Maybe it was City of Lost Souls. It might Not have. Sure. But anyway, yeah, yeah, the Brazilian protagonist. Yeah, I think it was City of Lost Souls. Okay. Anyway, number eight for me is uh, Ko Nakahira's um, Crazed Fruit. Uh, this is a Never. 50s. Is a 50s movie. It's it's on Criterion Collection for okay. people who want to track it down. It is completely the the most for me at least it was the most unexpected plot twist in the movie um it's really about a bunch of of uh um uh, young people two brothers and a and a girl that they're there's kind of a you know love triangle going on there um uh kind of spending their summer in this exotic resort or whatever and it's very it, you know it tastes very much like like a, a, a rules of attraction or um a dangerous liaisons what's that movie um that i'm thinking of cruel intentions it's very much like it's set Kinda. up like a japanese cruel intentions this is a 50s movie though yeah and it's so ahead of its time with this really extreme violent jealous uh explosion of a plot twist in, uh, I think in the middle or close to the end. And man, it, it, talk about gut punch. It is way ahead of its time for a fifties movie. It's, it's, it's insane. I, it's I something you expect from the seventies or something. Yeah. I, I've, I've not even heard of this. I definitely need to get my, get on this one. It's man. so good. Criterion cast did a really good, um, episode about it too. Yeah. I, that's right up my alley too, man. I, anything fifties and Jap- Japanese is, mm-hmm. you know, good, pretty much golden for me. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> disc too by uh, criterion. Definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. Number seven. Let's go to seven. Number seven is okay. This one's really, really well known. And if Dave, Ma- uh, Dave Mack is Dave Macklemore or Macklemore, I can't, mm-hmm. can't speak right now. If he's listening to this, I've recommended this film with him like 20 times and he will not watch it for some reason. But um, You have a lot of friends that refuse to watch the movies yeah. you suggest to them. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's one of those ones that's kind of a no-brainer. It was A Bittersweet Life. Nice. Um, just one of the best 
thriller action films. And the, the funny thing is, is when you when you look at the film on on paper, there's nothing new about it. It's it's you're really your standard plot, you know, right. you know, kind of type film. Like you know, a gangster guy gets close to the boss's daughter and mm-hmm. that kind of crap, you know. Right. But dude, it's just done so well and so well put together. Beautiful score, absolutely amazing score. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 action sequences in it are just phenomenal. Everyone's freaking cool as hell in it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's it? Is it Byung Hoon Lee? I think is the is, yeah. it, is that his name? Yeah, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, dude, just the epitome of cool. And I mean, dude, it's got this scene in it like that always just blows my mind every time I watch it. It's just just so brutal. <laughs> it's it's a stylistic movie though, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And um, it's Kim Ji Woon. That's why. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, great director. And he pretty much, yeah, I mean, he did uh, a Tale of Two Sisters, which mm-hmm. almost made my list, which is another great film. Right. But um, yeah, dude, this one, I just, it's just one of those ones, man. I just love it. It just everything for everything about it works for me. The music, the yeah. the, the the plot, the characters, you know, and and it's just it's just an awesome movie dude you know nice. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people on like ggmc have seen it and stuff but it's it's pretty damn good yeah it's quintessential when it comes to kind of the 21st century gangster picture oh yeah um i really enjoy it's, it and you're speaking of a film that like uh you know all the stuff that's come out a lot of the stuff that's come out in, in korea recently like company man and new mm-hmm. world and, and all those kind of films which are you know pretty good on their own yeah, yeah. i mean they owe a big nod to bittersweet life because that was like the one that the big one you know over there in terms of like you know you know modern day gangster flicks in 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 korea definitely um my number seven you know we're talking about kind of like encompassing the things that we you know watch asian cinema for and a big part of that is anime for me um it's really really difficult because again you know multiple or even this whole list could be made up of of anime that i really like and and studio ghibli is particularly one of my my favorite uh you know outlets um uh, Miyazaki's films and everything. I I had only seen Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind um, last year for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it blew me the fuck away. It's so fucking good. Um, for those who have uh, seen Princess Mononoke and his older, uh, his more recent pictures in, in relation to this, this is really kind of a, um, kind of a jump off point for, for the fantasy films that he came to be known for. Um, Nausicaa and, and Castle in the Sky kind of go back and forth with me as far as the, the really kind of escapist fantasy anime that, that I really enjoy. And of course, I mean, if I'm going to throw... It, this is why this this making a list thing is so hard because there's like three or four movies that I could put in there. Grave of the Fireflies, so many good ones. Um, and not even Ghibli, I could put uh, Ninja Scroll, which is, you know, it's, it's a quintessential when it comes to action animes. Ghosts in the Shell. Yeah, Ghosts in the Shell, exactly. Um, you put so many in, in here and, and but I, I have to say the main one that I would put at number seven would be Nausicaa because it's it's so fresh on my mind and, and it's, it's such a, a masterpiece for yeah. being when it came out and, and how influential it is you know um, I really like everything that I've seen out of Ghibli mm-hmm. uh, anime is kind of a blind spot for me man I, I, I've gotten I, I've seen some of the main you know big ones you know yeah, I've yeah, seen Akira right. I've seen you know Ghost in the Shell I've seen you know Ninja Scroll and, and stuff like that Vampire Hunter D stuff mm-hmm. you know but um, and then as far as Studio Ghibli goes I've seen probably about four or five of those films and I've loved every single one of them um, uh, the only one I actually own is uh, well I actually I have that Poppy Hill um, mm-hmm. but oh I, yeah um, Poppy Hill yeah, yeah which is good but the only one that I 
is uh, the other one is uh, Totoro. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, I love Totoro. It's, Totoro it's a great film, dude. It's mm-hmm. so fun, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, everything. I know I've seen Mononoke, and I think I've seen Hell's Moving Castle. Yeah. He's kind of a, one of those guys that I just haven't gotten into yet, and I I, right. I really want to. I want to see Porco Russo really uh-huh. good, bad, because I've heard a lot of people say that one's really good. Absolutely. Um, I think that I, I went through this kind of phase where. I wanted to watch the movies that I hadn't seen. I had seen maybe even half of them, but I hadn't seen some of the big ones that uh, my my friends really liked. I, I hadn't seen Totoro or Nausicaa um, until last year. So I kind of went through this phase of watching them, and I'm still kind of going through it. But, yeah, man, um, some of that stuff is just, you know, it, there's going to be kids that are growing up on anime and this is past our generation that are going to grow up on anime and that is going to be their um jumping off point for animation they're not going to be disney kids they're not going to be you know american animation kids and i think that those movies are deeper i mean those movies stand the test of time as you get older Mm -hmm. um these these uh, miyazaki films and man is it just like totoro is just every single one of them are these great fantasies these escapist fantasies these worlds that just you know an amalgam of 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 um of of militarism and jingoism and you have also this other side that's kind of like not fern gully but like this forest oriented culture it's just like so many of them are are these great fantasies these amalgamations of of our world no, no, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. He's he, he's somebody that um, I really definitely need to get into more of his stuff. The only thing I will say, though, and because you brought up Disney, too, yeah. I just want to say fuck Disney because <laughs> I want to buy some of those freaking oh those, those Blu-rays that they put out. Fuck for out of the, here. They're fucking all 30 bucks, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm like, really, dude? Like That's why everybody like flocked to that Amazon sale when they were like down to 20 bucks. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. I'm telling you, they don't go – they don't dip below like 32 bucks. Well, what drives me nuts is one of my favorite freaking movies, dude, like kids movie, I guess you'd say, or animated movies, is The Incredibles. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's just a great film. So much fun, right? I, I, I was trying to find that movie, dude. Trying to find it on DVD, trying to find it on DVD. So finally, find it on DVD, 25 bucks. The movie's been out <laughs> for like yeah. eight years, yeah. and it's still 25 freaking bucks. You, for the DVD, and then the other day, me and my wife were like, you know, thing, and I'm like, oh look, they got an Incredibles blue, thirty four ninety nine. Like, really, dude? Really? They price you know? Match, man. And, oh, that, and that's the thing is like, Disney because they know that that a lot of parents are beholden exactly. to buy that stuff for their exactly. kids, for their so kids, they can yeah. charge whatever they want for it, and exactly. that's and, and it really pisses me off because they don't. I mean, if you look at the way normal, I mean, Blu-rays are even getting cheap nowadays. Absolutely, uh, even cheaper than DVDs. Yeah, look, look I know. At the fucking Archer season four was like discounted to seventeen dollars. The DVD's still twenty-five dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so it's like, yeah, I know. In, in this day and age, it's like there should be. I mean, unless it's like you know something that's just packed full of special mm-hmm. features and, and that's the worst part like those that. disney blues are not yeah you know it, 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 i can understand you know in that that respect you know but like dude really blues at this point shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. not, not they shouldn't be over 20 bucks dude yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. it's like really dude it's plastic but you're you know? you're absolutely right they they know what they're doing their business yeah. is beholden to kids asking their parents or you know that's why they put so many of those fucking things in grocery store lines because mm-hmm. they know the kids will see that at least around here in Maryland, they do that shit all the time. 
You know what's funny is just kind of off topic, but I've been reading a lot of comic books lately, right? So I've been buying up like all these old comic books. And man, you want to talk about uh, an insidious freaking way to get kids to spend money, dude. <laughs> like, first off, you, you want to collect everything, you know, of yeah. your, your favorite guys, right? Yeah. But then what they like to do is they like to do these crossovers where they freaking get you into other books. Uh-huh. Because, you know, because right. then like now to finish the story, you got to go buy this <laughs> exactly. issue. Exactly. And it's like... And then you start reading those issues, and then you start liking those characters. I was like, you sons of bitches, dude, you know? And it just keeps, like, branching out from there, dude, right. you know? Oh, You're anyways. absolutely right, man. That's off how it goes. Top, off-topic, bitch. Let's go on to your number six. My number six is a film that was one of those seminal films for me when I first started into Asian films. I saw it. It blew me away. Um, I watched it probably about once every year or so. It's just... I think it's a masterpiece, dude. Otherwise, it wouldn't be my number six. But it is Wong Kar Wai's Chungking Express. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Um, I'm actually, it's going to come later on my list, but uh, <laughs> Wong Kar Wai is a fucking, f- fucking pinnacle director. Amazing. Yes. Oh, and I do, uh, yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is, that right next to um, Chungking Express, I have Ashes of Time Redo. Not the original the, I, one, but the I Redo. Have, yeah, I've only seen the uh, the original, and I wasn't too impressed with it. The, the Redux is really good? The Redux is a fucking amazing, dude. Like, it's so much better, dude. Like, because I've seen both, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I really like, uh, you know, I, I like the first one. It was all right, you know? Yeah. But, dude, the, re- the Redux, or whatever the hell you, how you pronounce it, right. d- fantastic, I'm going to check it out, man. Um, just fantastic. For- and... and you know, in, no one no one does atmosphere. We're talking about atmosphere a lot with the horror mm, movies. Mm. No one like captures atmosphere like he does with the music, with the uh, the cinematography, especially if Christopher Doyle is on that shit. Yes, oh. that's Christopher Doyle's oh cinematography is amazing in that film, and and, and the two stories. I prefer the second story more. You know, the can of yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy breaks up with his girlfriend and he buys a can of a pine, a can of pineapples yeah, yeah. with the expiration date every right. day. You know, and eats right. a can of pineapple. It's like it's just so, there's just so much wonderful stuff going on in there. Yeah. And then Faye Wong, it's Faye Wong, right? Yeah, yeah. Her name. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. She's just so damn cute. You oh know? my god, she's adorable. And and um, just you know, California Dream, and you will come out of that movie loving that song. Absolutely. Say that. Absolutely. Um, that movie is yeah. like you know he does no one. I th- I forget who put it up, but no one really does love or romance like he does in movies. Exactly. Uh, heartbreaking, you know, anything. Yeah. Just. But and 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 I think that. It, um, Exactly what you're saying, but I think that is one of the big things that attracts me to Asian cinema in general. Yeah. Is it seems, and it's not a blanket statement because there are American films that do capture emotions genuinely mm-hmm. too. Yeah. But it seems like something about Asian filmmakers, at least the best of them, you know, are able to capture true, genuine human emotion yeah. better or than just about anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, not a cultural thing, too. It's, I, like, they do such a good job at really capturing something that is absolutely without culture or ethnicity or, or age, like something that is ageless. Yeah, and, and without pandering, without yeah. being, without, you know, like, um, I'm really, like, like Uzo's a great example. You know, mm-hmm. you, you watch an Uzo film, you know, and, and it would all be about a marriage or something like that, right? right? And... Um, You'll get to the towards the end of the film when the marriage is, and he'll just completely skip the entire marriage, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then like it's like two weeks later, and you know you're like, oh, uh, you know the whole film was setting up to this pivotal scene, 
and then you're like, what happened to that pivotal scene? Now we're we're two weeks later. What what what's going on here? You know. Yeah, yeah. But um, in the same thing with like death scenes and stuff like that, he'd like completely skip the death scene. You know, like sure. there, you know, and and you know that most directors would take that death scene as an opportunity just to milk it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, with yeah. the audience, and and and, and he, he he didn't do that. You know, and, and I think that I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. Um, Especially with Japan in the '50s and stuff like that in the '40s, a, a nation dealing with you know freaking trying to rebuild yeah. their country, a nation yeah. that had been bombed by two exactly. things, and a nation who's had had an emperor that they viewed as God basically mm-hmm. taken out. Yep. You know, it, it, there was so much pain and suffering in that country during that point in time, and just alienation and trying to figure out who they were as a people. Absolutely. It just bred all these just amazing, you know, just films. You know, on that topic. Alone, you know, I I asked uh, my girlfriend to make that top ten list that became top thirty one. But mm-hmm. her 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 one of her favorites, I think probably one of her favorites or or her favorite Kurosawa movie is Rhapsody in August. Okay, and Rhapsody in August and I Live in Fear are probably two of the best post Hiroshima Nagasaki bombing movies. Yeah. that deal with that kind of uh, emotional and and human fallout. Of of uh, of the bombings, I, I think both of them are really something. Even if they're not on our list, definitely something that people should should. Uh, chase. Oh yeah, Rap- Rhapsody in Blue is one of the Rhapsody was in one August of, or August, yeah, yeah, yeah. is one of the first Kurosawa films that I that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I and I loved it, dude. So you know, good. the giant eye over the thing. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. You so know, good. it's yeah. And and then I just watched I Live in Fear uh, for the first time mm-hmm. last year. And that's another oh dude. I, I think I talked to you. man as an old man. He is dude. so fucking good. Oh, he is. He's Ugh. amazing. But what gets me, dude, about that movie is that the final shot with the Shimura dude mm-hmm. on the stairs. I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? It's Perfect. just so haunting. Yeah, it you is. know, it is. Um, you know, switching gears is a little bit going from you know uh, love and positivity to to darkness, depression, and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to again find uh, a place to talk about you know gangster pictures and it's it you know uh, uh, pops up so much on my on my on both of our lists and I think Battle Royale is kind of a gateway movie oh, yeah. for for so many people especially if you're getting into to Fukusaku or if you're getting into violent movies uh, Battle Royale is kind of a shocking thing to a Western audience Westerner, especially. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, the, uh, the idea, I mean, now uh, everyone is familiar with Hunger Games, and Hunger yeah. Games is, you know, is something that, that the people who, who uh, saw and, and love Battle Royale kind of laugh about. They chuckle about, oh, oh you're finally, you know, reading, yeah. or you're finally seeing Hunger Games. I, I remember when we actually saw kids sh- shot or hatcheted or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pushed off no, the roof. Oh, dude, or freaking thrown on their back and stabbed mm-hmm. in their nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No, no, Battle Royale is great, dude. Um, I actually own it. That's another film I own on two different formats. Uh, I even own number two. I even uh-huh. likes number two. And I know, I'm sure, probably someone's going to be like, <laughs> number two sucks. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know. It's not. It's near. It's nothing like the first one. Okay, I know, but I enjoy it on uh, on some level. Okay? Yeah, on the kind of trashy gangster. Yeah. Or the, the, yeah, the, yeah. I get what you're saying. The trashy action but, type. Battle Royale almost made my list. That was one of the one that I was really considering. Um, it, I just, I don't know, I didn't go through with it. I don't know why. But what it, I, what it does for me, like, beyond anything, it, if you are trying to sell yourself on something, I mean, there are a ton of young actors in the movie that went on to be in bigger things, but yeah. 
if you're looking for, you know, something to hold over, you know, try to try to, if you're exploring Asian cinema or Japanese cinema and you want something that's kind of your gateway to it, I think Katano, the mm-hmm. fact that Takeshi Katano is in this. And if you're a mm-hmm. fan of him as a filmmaker or as an actor, he's superb in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's awesome, dude. He's so funny I just, I just, and dry. I just love how cheery he is. You know, <laughs> he's like, so great. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just like, all right, say hello, Kanijiwa. <laughs> like, like like a game show host, you know. And they're like, yeah. they're like, you just killed somebody, and now you're acting like you know, like it's nothing. You yeah. know, that movie yeah. perfectly marries um, really dry, fucked up sense of humor with <laughs> utmost violence, like insane oh, violence. I actually have a the book, the Battle Royale. Book. Yeah, yeah, I've read that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Okay, here's a question though. What came first? I think the, the book comes, came first. Yeah, the book, okay. then the manga, then the movie. Okay, yeah. all right. Because I wasn't sure if it was a book or if the you know the movie came first or whatever. Yeah, I thought I, I you know I think that in, in in this is what about battle royale. And I'll say one thing that's really cool about battle royale. I think it's one of those rare rare exceptions of a film that is better than the book. Yeah, no, I d- I definitely agree with that. I definitely uh, agree with that because the to- the tone. Is better. I think what the book does is it kind of has this um, this distanced, almost statistical way yeah, of, to it. Yeah, yeah, of of yeah, of approaching the deaths, and you kind of see that in the movie where it'll come up at the bottom how many people are left and who yeah. who was killed. But the the tone of the movie is really kind of lamentable from their point of view too. It's it's kind of sad. That mm-hmm. these people are trying to to do this and trying to to be humanist in the face of kind of like a fascist system, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also part of the number six with Battle Royale, and I had to put it because we were talking about gangster pictures with battles without uh, honor and humanity. That whole series and kind of the gangster pictures that Fukusaku did. I think number six is just my Fukusaku number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, if you, if you're, if you're looking to, there, there's some great books on, on Yakuza pictures and it, uh, one director that comes up consistently is Fukusaku and you should oh, yeah. probably, you know, if you want to see anything by him, Battle Royale is a good, uh, um, is a, is a really good, uh, gateway. Um, I remember, I, I guess it was the Janus films arm of, uh, Criterion, put out uh, the Battles Without Honor and Humanity like box set, DVD box set, which is really like, it's out of print and expensive now, but if you can find them, either legally or otherwise, uh, they're really good. They're really good gangster pictures. They're, you know, really good B-movies. Um, they remind me kind of uh, even of the uh, the Sonny Chiba stuff that he was doing as a, as a, as a karate master. All right, I'm about to drop a bomb right now because I have that box set with the metal tin. Oh, it's the Lakukaze Yakuza mm-hmm. one. I got it for 15.99 at a freaking used DVD store, and oh it's in God. perfect shape, right? That, that I've had amazing. it for I've had it for three years, and I have not watched them. Need to, man. You need. To. <laughs> I know. I think that I you'll see that the quality kind of degrades as the movies go on, but that first and maybe even the second movie. Mm-hmm. They they you know they they make a big deal. They say these big hyped statements that it's you know as good or better than the Godfather. It's Japan's Godfather series or whatever. It's really good. It is really like it holds over movie to movie. They have a really good serialization to them. Yeah, I just need to dig into them, man. I, gotcha, that's something. Man. And I'm I, kicking myself that I fucking sold that when I left uh, my old apartment like five years ago. Yeah, and I'm so kicking myself because now it's like. You can get it for like 120 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I know. It's, it's ridiculous. What's your number five? Let's get into that. 
your right. top five. My number five is I needed to pick a great crime film, I think, because there's a lot of great crime films from, mm-hmm. you know, an Asian film. And I think that a lot of people tend to only think of Asian films as an action or Yakuza right. films or, right. you know, stuff like that. But, um, and this one's pretty well known. I know it's a, a, definitely a group favorite um, on some of the groups that we run through. And it's uh, Memories of Murder. That is my number five as well. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was it's waiting just, for when we were going to match up on something. Oh, it's just so it's just so good, dude. I mean, it's it's it, it's kind of like that, you know, Zo- you know movie Zodiac. It's, yeah. it's I kind of put those two pair those two together because mm-hmm. they both just have that like as you're watching it, you just get co- so caught up in their investigation and what they're trying to find out, you know. And it's weird because the film's like got this really sly sense of humor too yeah. at the same time. And and then at the same time it's like it's very dramatic, you know, yeah. and it, 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 you know, it works on a, a lot of different levels, and it's like it's one of those films, kind of almost on paper, it shouldn't work. It should, you shouldn't be mm-hmm. able to do the humorous aspects the way they do in this yeah. film with this, the with this drama, with the, the yeah, with the, all of these tones are just, but it just works. It just works so well, and it, it's it's. One of those films that just like I mean, riveting, just yeah. a riveting experience. It's just a very. The, it feels like a very seventies movie. If that movie was made here, it, mm-hmm. it's like it 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 uh, it stabs you in the gut, breaks, oh, yeah. breaks it off, and leaves it there. It's very much like it, it, tonally. It's very if you're familiar with uh, that show, The Killing. It it doesn't it doesn't deliver on definites. There's just mm-hmm. so much uh, unsure. Uh, open-endedness to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it, and the ending to me. The, oh. I mean, the ending is what really clinches the Fantastic. film to me. Fantastic. And Song Kong Ho or Song Kang Ho, uh-huh. his his acting and his portrayal and that thing, He's he superb. just nailed that so damn well. He is so I mean, just so haunting. Just mm-hmm. I mean, like I remember when I first watched it, man, and the credits rolled. I was just like, it blew my mind. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that this is really kind of like for me, it's it's uh, my uh, my uh, Jun Ho Bong, you know, my my favorite probably mm-hmm. of his movies. Um, I love I love the host as well, but this is oh, just so good. The the host, I'm really proud to say that when it came out, we had an international film festival the one year down uh, from where I live, mm-hmm. and I actually got to see that in the theater. Super, which is man. freaking awesome. That's awesome. And, that's uh, yeah. The host That's a picture great. you should see in the theater. Oh, it's just so great. And and what, one thing I love about Bong Joon Ho is the guy breaks rules mm-hmm. like crazy, but he makes it work. The host is a great example. How many monster movies have you seen where you do not see the monster <laughs> until the last fifteen minutes of the film? Right. 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 Bong Joon Ho is like, no, fuck that. I'm gonna bring this monster out broad daylight. You're gonna <laughs> see everything. Right in the first 10, 15 minutes, like, <laughs> right. like he like completely just throws out the the the, the whole rule book, you know, yeah. of what what you know how monster movies are, and it just works. Yeah. Now, here's the question: Is is part two ever going to freaking come out or no? I don't know, man. They've t- they've been talking about it for years. Yeah, and and I, I, you know, I'd be really skeptical if he wasn't attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but anyway. um, since we're we got the same five, why don't you? Why don't we go into four? Number What's your four. number four? My number four is a Zhang Yamao film. It is called To Live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This it, is one of my it, favorite. This is one of my girlfriend's favorite movies. Really? She's Absolutely. got good taste. <laughs> um, yeah, just a phenomenal film. I, I actually have the book that this is taken off of. Uh-huh. And the book is actually pretty damn funny, dude. Like, it, it, funny and tragic at the same time. Um, is, it a, but, uh, is it like a family drama? What kind of movie is it? It's basically a family drama, yeah. It's basically a family 
throughout like 30 years of history in China. I see. And so it's like it, it goes through the whole Chairman Mao thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff like that and communism and the wars and stuff like that. And it's basically all about, you know, it kind of focuses on, on this family. But I'll tell you what, man, it is a tearjerker and a yeah. half, dude. It is one of those films that will destroy you. You know, you, you, will, you will not walk away from that film without, like, you know, just a, a wreck. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be a wreck, you know. Is it your favorite of uh, Yimu's movies? I, th- I think so. Is it, is it Yimu? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, I think uh, Zhang, uh, Zhang Yimu. Ying, Yimu. Yimu? Yeah. yeah. I always said Yimou, but that's just my Americanist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I would probably say that's the best, my, my favorite of his. Um, Raise the Red Lantern, though, is another yeah, a great, say, great, yeah. great film. And, and pretty much anything he did with Gong Li mm-hmm. back, then, back yeah, in his early yeah, yeah. career is, is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And I think I will have to also give him credit for Hero, which I think is one of the best of that genre yeah, of, of the, type of films. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would take, agree. I would agree. I'll take Hero over Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon uh-huh. any freaking day of the week, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, my number four is in some – my number four sometimes is my number one. Okay. <laughs> this is often – and the only reason that it's my number four is because – the three filmmakers that make up my top three are my favorite filmmakers. But okay. this number four is so good. Harakiri by Masaki okay. Kobayashi. Kobayashi. Now, Nakadai, if you want a movie where Tatsuya Nakadai is quintessential and perfect and probably you want to see the kind of range this motherfucker has, that's mm. the movie to see. It is oh, so superb. Oh, it's excellent. It's well, excellent. it's well shot. It's heartbreaking. It 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 has intrigue, uh, thrills, action in it. It's it, it is a it's an all around type movie. Um, it's so it's so good that here I watched both Harikaris mm-hmm. just last year, both Miike's and uh, yeah. Kobayashi's. I watched Miike's first, yeah. and I watched uh, Kobayashi's second. Even though I already knew the story, I knew yeah. what was going to happen. Yeah, Kobayashi still blew the freaking doors uh, off of totally. Miike's, which totally. is not to say Miike's is a bad film. I think it's, it's really not, good. It's not bad. But, what I think that's lacking with the the Miike version is, at least for me, it feels like he's trying to make it as. Uh, as current and as evocative as his other movies, mm-hmm. that scene where the uh, son commits suicide mm-hmm. is is graphic, and you see you see the blood, and you see he he's 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 at least reining himself in a bit. But as graphic as that scene is, it's even more graphic what you don't see in the original Kobayashi film. Mm-hmm. It's it's even more uh, heartbreaking and and disgusting and shocking to see this again. This could be you know because of the time period, it's ahead of its time and influential in its own right. But man, it, and I will say that Harakiri, uh, the Kobayashi movie, is so um, connected to that idea that uh, Shinobu Hashimoto, the the screenwriter, who did so many films with Kurosawa. You know, Kurosawa was trying to come up with an idea, I believe it was for Seven Samurai, about 
we're going to do a day in the life of a samurai. A samurai gets up in the morning, eats breakfast, uh, works on his calligraphy, goes out, makes a mistake, comes home, and commits suicide. That was going to be the day in the life of a samurai. Mm-hmm. And Harakiri plays with that. It is almost a joke. It's almost a satire of, of, samurai, of, the, of the samurai ideal. Mm-hmm. It's it's playing with that because you're you know you're not allowed to be a a human being who makes mistakes or a human being who um, who uh, has to uh, beg for money or beg for food. You have to always think of your social status. You have to think of your honor. You have to think of how people perceive you. And Harakiri is is a it's a um, a complete lambasting of that a cultural. Um, uh, um, status of the of the samurai. It's so fucking good. Oh, it's amazing, dude. That's it. one that I don't own, and I need to yeah. desperately. It's so good. Um, I kind of, you know, this number four. I, I was trying to find a way to to shoehorn in my favorite John Woo movie, uh, Hard Boiled, mm-hmm. and I wanted to put Hard Boiled somewhere. So it's in number four. I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't know where to put it because it's definitely on. It's definitely in the top ten. But you know, should I put it with the cop the cop movies at the in number ten? Maybe it's it shares a lot with Infernal Affairs. I think Infernal Affairs is very influenced uh, with, especially with Tony Lung being part of it. But uh, yeah, Hard Carry, fantastic. Let's go on with your number three. Hang on though, I'm gonna backtrack for a second because uh, my number four, my two, which was to live. I'm just gonna add one in there right now because it kind of goes with it. Sure. And I don't have any Ozu on my list, so I'm gonna put Late Spring in with there nice. too. If, nice. It, and uh, if you have not seen Late Spring, if you have not seen Uzo, Mr. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, definitely get on that one. <laughs> um. Anyways, so gotcha. yes, to number three. Number three. Okay, and I'm wondering when this guy's gonna come up in your list because he hasn't come up yet. My list number three is one of uh, my all-time favorite Asian films. I've one of the ones that I was introduced to this director through. Blew my mind. I watch it at least once a year. It gets better every time. It's just such a damn great film. It's Sunatine by Takeshi Kitano. You and I, we're on the same fucking page. <laughs> Again, Kitano is amazing, and Sunatine is, in my opinion, his best movie. I actually have what I've written here. I have Sonatine slash Kikujiro. Yeah. Because oh my god, man! I have Sonatine slash Hanabi slash uh, Kikujiro. Yes. Well done. Um, Kikujiro wouldn't have made the list, but I watched it again this last year, and it just blew my mind. It's it great. is so good. It's. Great. I mean, the the last thirty minutes of that film mm-hmm. are just so incredibly moving and beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that man, that man, like uh, Kitano, like said, has said many times uh, before about his admiration for Kurosawa, and you see uh-huh. it in his composition and his directing. He's just, he's beyond. Like he's been doing a lot of of gangster pictures. I think he's known a lot as a gangster director. Yeah, as a gangster director. But, but man, she- he's good. He he can do he can do quiet. He can do comedy. He can do it so well. Well, one of my favorite films of his, which you don't really ever get here mentioned that much, is uh, A Scene at the Sea. Yeah. Oh, super. And super. just a great film. And I mean, it's a film about two mutes. They, mm-hmm. they don't talk, you know? Right. And so obviously there's not a lot of dialogue right. in the entire film, but it's just a very quiet film. And, you know, and that's the other thing, too, I think what attracts me. And it's not, it's not, I guess, it's not an Asian thing so much because you do see this in indie films, yeah. but you don't see it as much outside of America. You see, you see more outside of America than you do in America. Yeah. But how often do you see films about a two deaf mutes 
You just don't. You, know? yeah. you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't see that. You know, um, and and that's one of the things I I love seeing at the sea. Great film of his. Mm-hmm. Very overlooked. Yeah. Um, and Sonatine, though, you know, if you talk about uh, you know quintessential gangster picture, mm-hmm. it's got everything in there. It's got your your gore. It's got your your political intrigue, at least within the organization. Mm-hmm. It's got these great like. It, I wrote an article uh, a few years ago, um, kind of my review of Sonatine, and I and I named the article uh, "Fear the Board Gangster" because it's it's about gangsters. What do they do with their time in exile? Mm-hmm. You know, it's dumb shit. You know what I think? I I think what also that film is really about. And I think I asked also the reason why I put Kiko Jiro in there too. It's almost about grown men trying to reclaim their childhood in, this, in, a, in a way. Um, and, and that's what's really cool about Sunatine is if you watch Sunatine, the first 20, 30 minutes are your typical standard Yakuza uh-huh. flick. You know, it's, you know, power plays and stuff yep. for the Yakuza and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the film, the film just takes this big sidetrack where it's just like, they, it's basically, then it becomes like 45 minutes of like just. <laughs> bunch of old gangster guys goofing off at a beach yeah. dude you know yeah. and it's so freaking well it, it's got his repertory uh actors too like all yes. the actors that have been in his gangster movies yeah and, and it's like it's funny it's sad it, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's emotional and the joe hasashi uh, hasashi score fantastic is yes. just amazing and Absolutely. he also went on to go do the some of the, the ghibli stuff mm-hmm. and yes. i i really am pissed off i don't know who to be pissed off in this thing, but the fact that Sashi does not do Katano films anymore, that yeah. that's like a, one of the biggest outrages in the fucking world. Right, dude. to go along you know? with outrage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> to go exactly. along with the title of the movies. <laughs> but, dude, I mean, the score for Kikajiro 2 also, mm-hmm. oh, man, the main theme for that is just like... Absolutely. Just he's so such a, good. He's dude. such a good composer, man. He makes those oh. movies. You know, he yeah, does. he's... Like I said, I'm not a big, you know, listen, you know, soundtrack person or stuff like that. But like, I can listen to Joe Asashi all day, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like that guy just writes brilliant music, you know. I'm um, feeling good about this. I'm glad that we're again matched up on one of them. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. Well, I, I know, I know where we're going with the next two. Obviously, I think, I think so. I think so. Um, since you, since you, we agreed on three, let me, let me take the the thing on two. Let me, okay. let me take the the football on this. Um, right. We've already talked about um, uh, Chunking Express, so I might as well talk about Wong Kar Wai mm-hmm. as my one of my favorite filmmakers, and and number two would probably be In the Mood for Love. Okay. Um, In the Mood for Love is like you know you want you want a movie. That's about uh, finding a connection with someone, um, being so happy that that you're able to find to find that love, to find that emotion with someone, that connection, someone that actually gets you and everything, um, and not being able to share that with anybody, and uh, because they're both married, so they're having an affair. Yeah. But um, getting to that point in in the movie when Tony Lung uh, had he's he's telling his secret into this hole at like a monastery in uh, Angkor Wat, I think. Um, and the uh, idea is that you tell your secret into this hole, you cover it with, with mud, and it'll stay there. You know, that it, it is your secret, it kept by the god or whoever. Um, it's, it is probably the best unrequited love movie that I've seen, you know, people talk about Romeo and Juliet, whatever, you know, uh, Shakespearean, Greek tragedy, whatever you want to talk about. This is up there. 
in the mood for love. Um, you know, it, it's so hard with me with me and and Wonkar Y too because I want to put Fallen Angels on there. I want to put Happy <laughs> Together. You know, uh, Chunking Express. Those are some of the biggest movies that he's done, and they're so well made, so well shot by Christopher Doyle and. The music, the use of music, both um, kind of source music and and uh, soundtrack, uh, actually score and everything, mm. but the fucking soundtrack and in the mood for love with with Nat King Cole doing I think a Spanish version of uh, of several of these songs, these standards, just superb, man. I I, I cannot. Whenever someone asks me uh, what is the most like lavish uh, emotional movie, like the one that that. T- tugs at your heartstrings. I always talk about in, in the mood for love. You know, um, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Uh, it's over 10 years. Yeah. Um, I really need to do a revisit on that one because when I watched it, I just, I don't know, it did not click for me. weren't on the I, wavelength. No, I was not yeah. on that wavelength. And I also, I've been meaning to do that in, in, in now 2046 is related to that film yes. too, right? Yeah, it's like a companion piece. Yeah. yeah, I've been meaning to go through and rewatch both those like together, like back to back so I could, you know, why everything's fresh in my head, mm-hmm. and I can just, you know compare them and see you know the, the themes and stuff right. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will say that it, the film, you know, even though I didn't quite click with it, I will say it's a beautiful film. Yes, I mean, okay. it, it's the visuals in it are just Absolutely. amazing. And there's a uh, great there. Uh, obviously, the the Criterion again, you know, we, it's come up so many times when we're talking about these movies. Criterion did just a great addition for this, and there's there's deleted scenes. Obviously, you know, we talk about Wong Kar Wai, and he he so often doesn't have a script or he he has a a uh, an, outline. Like an outline yeah, yeah. but or, or so much of the scenes that he puts in his movies i know especially for happy together are improvised so like seeing the deleted material from in the mood for love or happy together it's it really opens your mind to how he is directing and that's that's almost worth the price of admission to just to get that Criterion disc to see the extra material that's on there is is, is that is that on the uh, the blue or is that on the it's DVD? on both it's on both okay yeah because I have the DVD yeah uh, yeah um, I have to I definitely that's something I definitely have to give another shot to what's I your just, what's your number two my number two is actually two films but it's the same director um, and I didn't want to pick the most well-known one because obviously sure. you know everybody's seen seven samurai sure okay but i picked the bad sleep well nice and i slashed that off with ran nice because ran was one of those ones that like i said you told in the earlier show that was like one of the first films that i saw in in just you know asian films that i saw that just absolutely blew my mind absolutely, yeah. um but Bad Sleepwell, I watched for the first time last year, mm-hmm. and that one absolutely floored me. Yeah. Um, my God, the ending of that film great, great, great. is just... Uh, you, you talk about an emo- uh, getting slapped in the face, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's basically what it is. But I, I, you know, I loved it, and, and I love films that have the balls to let evil win, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And, and, That's a noir movie if there ever yeah. was one. If, oh, yeah. if, uh, if, if Kurosawa ever did a movie that was against his kind of humanist philosophy and made a noir movie, that's yeah. The Bad Sleep Well. Yeah. Oh, it's just so dark, dude. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and it's noir. It's, I mean, I, I have to, I, you know, I can't almost have to mention High and Low, too, because they're, high and low, definitely. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of like two peas in a pod, kind of. Uh, they're both kind of noirish crime mm-hmm. films that he did. Um, they're both excellent. They're both right. lesser-known works, right. although they're not, you know, you know, they're s- 
pretty well known within certain yeah. communities, but um, they're not. You know, it's not Seven Samurai, and, and that's the only reason I didn't pick Seven Samurai is because everybody knows the Seven everybody Samurai. Knows, yeah, everybody you know? knows. It's, it's kind of like I kind of hate the discussion that we have. Um, uh, well, maybe not so much anymore, but up until about a couple years ago, the discussion whenever someone would mention John Carpenter was Halloween. You would mm-hmm. always hear Halloween in and out, in and out. You know, we, it wasn't until more recently that people start talking about The Thing uh, being mm-hmm. his, his best movie or, you know, talk about their love of movies like The Fog or Prince of Darkness or something. You know, these, these flawed but really good movies. But that reminded me of that. People always talk about the most well-known movie. They don't dig really deeper to what this person has done. And the other thing about Bad Sleep Well, it's like I was lukewarm on that too. I think that your reaction to In the Mood for Love, I think that was my... Saying I was just not on the wavelength when I saw it. Yeah. I had to see it about two or three times to really appreciate it. Oh, really? Because there's yeah, drama no, that... in there. There's you know there's real like melodrama happening there. Oh yeah, and 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 just in Mifune's awesome in it, dude. He's you fantastic. Know? Um, but he was great in everything. So I mean that's not really saying yeah. much, but um, yeah, but just and actually my number two ties to my number three. Are you aware of that? Uh, bad sleep, well, and sonnetine. Yeah. How so? You, do you know that when Kurosawa died, he wrote a letter to Kitano, right? I didn't know this. No, no, no. No, you didn't? Uh-uh. Okay, he wrote a letter to Kitano. At least, I'm pretty sure this is true, you know. But, um, unless it's just an internet rumor, but I've read it on a few different sites and stuff that seem legitimate and stuff. Uh-huh. But apparently when Kurosawa was pretty much on his deathbed, he had a letter dictated and sent to Kitano. And in the letter, it said, the future of Japanese cinema is in your hand. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine God saying that to you? <laughs> Can you imagine Zeus uh, coming down from the fucking clouds and telling you that? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, well, dude, I mean, yeah, not only that, but it's like now the pressure, you asshole, really? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, I think visually, I mean, again, you know, you talk about a, a director and his visual style. I think Katano just he doesn't. You know what it is. Uh, more often than not, you see what directors' influences are, and so often with Katano, I see him kind of standing by himself. I see Kurosawa in his in his um, in his compositions. I see Kurosawa in in a lot of his style, but Katano in the way that he directs movies, the way he even the acting he does in his own movies mm. is just so quintessentially his own. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, it, and it's funny too because I remember at one point. I don't even remember who it was, but I was watching Hanabi, I think. Mm-hmm. And somebody walked into the room, and they're like, watching it, and they're like, this is stupid. And I go, what? I go why is that? And they go, no one's just going to stand there and shoot a gun and not move. And I'm like, you're, it's, you're missing it's the for, point. It's, yeah, it's formalism. Yeah. You know, what do you expect? Yeah. You want realism? Yeah. Go watch something else, yeah. Which, which is fun, well, you know, and he's been giving us realism with the last two outrages, right, though. Right, right. You know, and, and the, the, I actually, I haven't been watching movies lately, but the last one I did watch was uh, uh, Beyond Outrage. And how was that? I heard that, uh, I, I've heard mixed things, like it was better or as good as the first one? It's way better than the first one. Oh, dude. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one, I just, it kind of feels a little bit too convoluted, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I like, that. I mean, I, there's, I like it, you know, but it just doesn't like do it for me in the end you know what i mean like it it it, it, it it's a good film to watch there's lots of you know cool yakuza shit in it you know yeah. but like it, at the end i just kind of felt like okay that was it you know like right. the, I, I was kind of expecting a little bit more right and and then with the second one i really really dug the second one a lot more it's a little more 
kind of a standard revenge thing, but yes. it's it's a little less convoluted. It's a little easier to understand what's going on because let's face it. Sometimes it's really hard in in Yakuza films and stuff like that to keep track of all the different little warring factions that are going yeah, on, you know, absolutely. like this group and this group and this group and this group and this group's of the, you know, you got this family, the Otomo family, mm-hmm. and you got this family that's part of this family and you have this underboss that's this guy and sometimes it's kind of like, holy shit, you yeah, know, yeah. there's just too many freaking people. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know? definitely. Um, too many, you know, and so the, I think that this one, I, I enjoyed it a lot more I, and it's got a couple of freaking awesome, awesome scenes in it. I need to see it. I need to see that and revisit the first one also. Um, so with the with my number one, did I, you do two yet? No, I did, two was yeah because we talked about one car. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So with my number one, I mean it's very connected. You know, we're going. I'm. You know, obviously, if anybody knows me, is that I'm a Kurosawa head. So of course, Kurosawa is going to be in my number one. The problem is obviously just like picking the film. Yeah, which <laughs> which film do you pick? You know, we talked about that. Uh, you know, uh, post in GGTMC, Kill Your Babies. What's your favorite Kurosawa movie? And it's absolutely impossible. I think. Um, back and forth, I think Akiru is always uh, at the top, and then High and Low is you know probably the the jumping off point for so many police procedurals. It's such a well done movie. Both of those movies go back and forth with me, but having recently uh, seen it because they because Criterion re released it on Blu Ray, I gotta say Throne of Blood <laughs> is amazing. It's it oh. is mind blowing how good. I don't think that there's been a better Shakespeare adaptation in any uh, country, in any art form, better than Throne of Blood. And I have rarely seen, if ever, a performance like uh, like Mifune's in that movie. Okay, I'm just trying to keep something straight in my head. Okay, yes. Okay, I know. Um, I was getting confused with Hidden Fortress for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Um, yeah, dude, yeah. Throwing the, 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 the finale in that dude oh, is man. fucking just arrow, just through, arrow through the neck. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, and to hear the stories about how that was how they were really shooting arrows at him is uh-huh. is so funny. No, that's a great film. And just and just in in Mifune too. I mean, it is you know kind of an evil bastard. He is. Movie, dude, he is. You know? But he's almost an evil bastard because it's it's his um it's his destiny. You know, it's yeah. put upon him mm-hmm. that this is going to happen, and that's a, another great part of this movie is that it is. It's almost it, it keeps true to that that ghost story uh, heritage of of Japanese cinema of Jap- Japanese folklore. You know, fe- folk telling. Mm-hmm. It's really really good. You know, as you know, I'm just looking online right now, and there's a you know I'm looking at Throne of Blood, and there's a people who like this also liked, and there's a film sitting here that I'm looking at that should have been on my list, and that's Sancho the Bailiff, oh. but it's not. It's so good. Oh, that is so good too. Man. <laughs> Which is an, just an amazing. Film, it's a, but. It, I think I think the best thing about this whole podcast is that we're we're convincing each other that there's no way you could do a top ten list. I know of, not, of Asian cinema. Well, technically, this is probably about a top twenty five at this point. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. Anyways. So, so what's your number I, one? My number one um, is a film by Masaki Kobayashi. It is a nine and a half hour film. <laughs> it is starring Tetsuo Nakadai. The man. And it is called The Human Condition. Now, this is a movie I have not seen and it has been in my queue to see, or the series has been in my queue to see for years. Dude, just do it. It's yeah, a, it's a, it's like a, a, a prolonged serialized like uh, through the years, 
uh, slice of, of someone's life? It's basically uh, all centers around Nakadai and his in his life, you know, and it starts off with him, um, different you know points of his life, different things. Um, it is extremely depressing. Yeah. I mean, beyond the point <laughs> where it's like, uh, it's almost ridiculously depressing. Yeah. Um, but basically, what it is is it's it's about the human condition. You know, it's sure. it's really, I mean, it's called the human condition. It's about the human condition. But it takes a, a, a very dark uh, outlook on human nature, which right. I guess is probably fairly accurate, you know, right. uh, more so than, you know, everything's, you know, great and fine and, you know, people are great. But it's basically, you know, if I could really sum up what the film is about, it's basically about how all governments and all forms of bureaucracy and systems are all just fucked up. Yeah. In, yeah, um, in, uh, People, no matter how, uh, no matter how, you know, well intentioned you are as a person, no matter how hard you fight the system, uh, you're still going to get ground in the cogs in the end. Oh man! You know, and and that's basically what the film's about, and and it's it's you know traces this arc of this guy's life yeah. over you know over nine and a half hours. But I'll tell you what, there is never a dull moment in this entire wow. film. Uh, Nakadai is just fantastic as always just mm-hmm. just so great um the, the and the reason why i put this on my number one is that this film did something to me that i've never ever had happen before in a film you know i i've you know honestly like i, I cry all the time at films you sure. know i'm a big puss right <laughs> but this film didn't really make me you know I, I got a little teary-eyed here and there but it never really made me like you know ball or you know anything right. um I, I watched each Episode, each uh, uh, it's cut in three parts, right. like three three-hour chunks, and I watched one each night. And the third night, I finished up the last one, and I, and I was just like, kind of blown away by it, kind of speechless, you know. It was in in a little later on in the day, I'm uh, like, I'm sitting there taking a shower, and I just started kind of like, it, my brain kind of just gelled all three parts together, right. and started kind of like thinking of it as one big piece instead, of, you know, and, and just kind of digested it as one big piece. Right. And I literally doubled over, and oh, I, I couldn't man. even almost, I could not even stand for like a minute, dude. Like, I, I was like in the shower, and I was just like, I wasn't sobbing or anything. Right. I just like, it just, it made me double over. Like, it was just so impactful. On hit me, you, you know? all at once. Oh, it just hit me. Yeah, like, like, you know, all that nine and a half hours of just pain right. and misery of this right. film just basically, boom, hit me right in the face. Right. And, and like I said, I've never had a film do that to me before, ever. That's and, amazing, man. And and this one did, and uh, that's why I say it's that's why it's it's on the number one for me because, I mean it's there's just so much to it. There's so much to love about it. Um, it's just it's just a masterpiece of the highest highest order. That's a uh, that's a great great sell for anybody who wants to check it out, man. I I really want to see it now. It's a commitment. I'll say that it sure. is a commitment, man. It's 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 it's, it's you got to really sit down and have the time for mm-hmm. it and everything, but. And it, and it, and it's 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 not a film that's uh, you know a barrel of laughs you know, <laughs> um, so but yeah, dude, it's just phenomenal. Just I I I can't I could just go on about it for, forever, <laughs> dude. I mean, it's it, there's just so many great, touching, heartwarming, uh, you know, genuine, just humanistic, like great moments in it, dude. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, anyways, well, um, 
you know, Keith, thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk today, man. I had a really good time talking about uh, yeah. a passion of both of ours, man. Yeah, excellent. I'm so happy to, to spend the time with you. Um, for the listener, I'll put up both of our top 10s, and I'll put up my girlfriend's top 10, uh, or top 31 as well. All right. Uh, I think there's some some things in there that uh, I certainly haven't seen and, and maybe uh, we haven't talked about. So, you know, add to the discussion for, for those who do want to uh, check them out. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, great perspective. Uh, I hope to have you on again, and we'll talk some more uh, about uh, something else. You know, maybe maybe some more Asian cinema, maybe something else. Thanks for taking the time, dude. All right, man. Thanks. I'll see you, dude. Bye. Thank you.